This is Meditations for Misfits, and I'm Fred Gruy. In this session, I'll share a reading of the famous story of the woman at the well, as recorded in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of St. John, where Jesus goes to a place he shouldn't be to find someone no one wants. In recent weeks, Don Seabart has challenged me and said, you know, every week you stand up there and say, we're on the way of radical love. You need to define for us what is radical love. And I told Don, it's not for me to define. (laughs) It's for us to define uh, what radical love is. You know, I I think of it when Peter went to Jesus and said, how many times do I have to forgive these people that annoy me? And Jesus really didn't give him a straight answer. Seven times 70 is pretty incalculable. And so I think it is that way with radical love. But this story that has been given to us this morning from our lectionary is exhibit A of what radical love love might look like. So to give you some context for this uh, text this morning, and I love the fact, for whatever reason they chose for Lent these long stories from the Gospel of John. So last week it was Nicodemus, this week it's the woman at the well, next week it'll be the man born blind, which is a story in John chapter 9, and then the raising of Lazarus, in John 11. So these wonderful stories that have been assembled by whoever wrote the Gospel of John. And they're really beautiful works of art in and of their own right. The author, the assembler of this Gospel was incredibly gifted. But so the story, to give you some background, Jesus has been preaching in Jerusalem and has gotten quite a following. And in fact, in John's Gospel, John placed the turning over of the tables at the temple just before this. And so Jesus is in hot water with the authorities in Jerusalem because he's getting a following and he's um, threatening their power structure. So he's leaving Jerusalem and going back to his home area of Galilee. Now, in that geography of that place, the shortest distance between Jerusalem and the Galilee would have been through Samaria. As a crow flies, that's the quickest way to go. But Jews hated the Samaritans. And good Jews would never go through Samaria because they wouldn't want to have to stop at a a Samaritan gas station or a Samaritan McDonald's. They wouldn't want to give their shekels to those stinking Samaritans. And And the reason for the hatred... It was long-standing, but I'll give you the cliff notes here. The Samaritans were inclusivists in beliefs. The Samaritans believed in Yahweh, the God of the Jews, but they believed in many other gods as well. And their thinking was, well, there's many ways to the top of the mountain. Just pick one and go for it. So they were inclusivists. And the Jews of the time were exclusivists. There's only one way. It's Yahweh or no way. And so they hated the Samaritans because they watered down the exclusive one way of the Jewish structure of the day. Now, if we were going to identify which group, which group do you think we might be here? 
at the United Church of Christ. Well, I'll let you ponder on that. So at any rate, the Jews hated the Samaritans and wanted nothing to do with them. So good Jews, a good Jew, would never go through Samaria. But in verse 4 of what Sandy read, it said Jesus had to go through Samaria. And I know enough about the history and the context that he didn't. So that I find that interesting. So anyway, so Jesus, they're going through Samaria, and it's tired, it's a long journey when you're walking, and so he goes to the well, it's around noontime, and there's only one person, it seems, according to the story there, a woman. And it's interesting that Jesus initiates conversation with the woman. Another huge taboo. A Jewish man would never strike up a conversation with a woman he did not know. That was a cultural taboo. And Jesus just blows it off and says, will you give me something to drink? And the woman is sort of shocked. What do you mean? You're a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan and a woman. You violated a number of customs in 30 seconds. What's... And Jesus says, can I have a drink? And she said, well, you don't have anything to drink with. And, and then the conversation goes, Jesus says, well, why don't you go talk to your husband? And the woman rightfully answers, well, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus, through some divine knowledge or insight, says, well, that's right, you've had five, and the man you're with now isn't even your husband. And we need to, to correctly understand what's going on in this story. In this context, a woman had no right to divorce a man. So it's not like this woman is some gold digger or some always looking for something better. In that time and place, as awful as it will sound, only men could divorce and all they had to do was write on a slip of paper, I divorce you. And so can you imagine the insecure and the financial insecurity of this for women? Because women weren't allowed to own businesses or trade or make a living. And so they were dependent upon men for their financial and physical safety and security. So here's a woman that's been thrown away by five men. No one wanted her. And the man she's with now won't even marry her. And I think that's one of the reasons maybe she's getting her water at noon, which was culturally another thing you didn't do. Getting water was a lot of physical labor. And you wouldn't do it in the heat of the day. You would normally do it in the cool of the morning or evening. And I think she goes when there's nobody else around because it's a small village. And you know how people talk. I mean, for crying out loud, we're people. We know what gossip is. We've all participated in it. Can you imagine? Here's this dear woman and the others in town. Let's call her Ethel. That's a pretty safe name. <laughs> Ethel, boy, Ethel. Five men have thrown her away. Boy, Shima, what's she like behind closed doors? Whoa, F. You know, and have you ever, I've had this experience. Have you ever walked in a room when, when you walk in and everybody goes quiet and you know it's because they've been talking about you? I just imagine this woman has had that feeling far too often and is going to the well when nobody else is there. She can get her water and just get out and get it over with. I know what that feels like. So here's this woman, and Jesus says, give me some water. And he says, you know, you've had five husbands and the man you're with now. And so she realizes there's something special about this guy. 
And then she breaks into this thing. You know, we were taught as Samaritans that we are to worship God here on this mountain where Jacob's well is, where Jacob had this well and gave it to his sons. And you Jews say, the only place you can worship God is in Jerusalem because that's where God's temple is. How can I worship God? And the word worship in the Greek of this story is a word proskuneo, and it's a pros means to lean in and to lead towards, and kaneo means to kiss. And so the woman literally asked Jesus, where am I supposed to lean in to kiss God? And Jesus says to her, look, neither on this mountain or Jerusalem, the true worshipers of God worship in spirit and in truth. Those are the kind of kissers God is looking for who will do it in spirit and truth. And I think part of her question is, look, I, I see you're some kind of a prophet. Could someone like me lean towards to kiss God? Would God accept that? And Jesus says to her, if you do it in spirit and in truth, absolutely. And, and then the amazing, she, she leaves to go into town and tell everybody about Jesus. And, and, and look, when she goes into town to say, I met a man who know, told me all about me. And I can't imagine that was big news then. That Well, we all know all about you. You're the talk of the town. Everybody knows about. But they probably saw that in some way, shape, or form, she was liberated from the social shame that had been thrust upon. Someone loved her and cared for her and, and, and saw dignity and worth in her and that radiated from her being. So all these townspeople come to Jesus to see who can do that. And then the disciples are saying, you, you know, what's going on here? You're not supposed to be talking to a woman and she's a Samaritan. You're breaking all the laws. You're already in trouble. What are you doing? And, and then Jesus says, look, the, the harvest is ripe. And as he says, look, the harvest is ripe. There's all these Samaritans heading their way. Now, if you're a Jewish folks, a group of Samaritans is not the harvest. <laughs> you want to get rid of that. It's the garbage. It's not the harvest. But Jesus says the harvest is ripe. And he stays there two days holding revival meetings in a Samaritan town where he's not supposed to be. I, this story is so fascinating to me. And I realize, look, I'm not telling you this is exactly what I'm giving you my reading of what happened. So I go back to that verse 4. Jesus had to go through Samaria. And what I love about this story is that Jesus went someplace he shouldn't have been to find someone no one else wanted to show her she was acceptable and accepted and could receive the love of God. Now, friends, that's radical love. That's what I hope people cross the threshold of this door will experience in this space with us and from us a place to fit, a place not to be judged by how you look or who you've been to bed with or not or how much money you have or 
What kind of degrees do you have? That here, we would all be striving to lean towards to kiss this divine being and be kissed by this divine being. That's what I think this story presented to us is about this morning. It is exhibit A, Dawn, of radical love. And what we are to aspire to here. So one of the ways we can aspire to this is next Saturday, I, I sent out an email to some folks I thought might be interested, and I'm opening up to, to you as well. Next Saturday at noon, we're going to meet either here or downstairs to try to reestablish our justice and witness outreaches from our faith community. We have a long history of in this church of being uh, committed to and involved with justice and witness outreach kinds of things, like, like opening up our, the house that we own so that a uh, Ukrainian refugee family could live there. Our involvement with climate issues and, and making sure the environment is, is protected as well as all the species in the environment. We have a history of working with the food bank and, and trying to work to make space for unhoused neighbors to have warmth and safety. Uh, we have a history of trying to work for affordable housing here in this community. We have a history of, of working for racial reconciliation and, and gender uh, reconciliation in this community. And so over the past couple of years, some of that, we just haven't had an organized effort for those things. And so next Saturday, I, I'm just inviting uh, at noon anybody that's, how can we get more organized in what we do? And also realize, look, all things equal, we're maybe 150 folks in this church, if you count everybody, that considers this place their home. And, and we're an older congregation, so we've got limited numbers and limited resources and limited time and energy. What things could we prioritize to really give ourselves to, to really make some effective difference instead of dissipating and trying to do a thousand things not well, what several things could we do really well to help make a difference and try to organize that. And so, so that's all we're going to try to do is figure out how could we get a little more organized in what we're trying to do. And so if you feel uh, compelled to be part of that conversation next Saturday at noon, you're more than invited. But I want you to, it's under the umbrella of us trying to follow Jesus on this way of radical love. How can we communicate that in our community in this time and place? So I love the fact that in this story, Jesus goes to a place he shouldn't have been to find somebody nobody wanted because I have felt like that in my own life. And that's the Jesus we're trying to follow here.